So this morning, like I mentioned, we're going to begin uh, hearing about the, hearing the Word of God speak to us again about worship and uh, kind of reframing uh, how we approach worship, or at least trying to. So if you would, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see this white sheet. Uh, it has the, the scripture on it, Psalm 183. If you want to pull that out and look at it, or if you want to look in your Bibles even better. Uh, as I hear these words, as I hear these words from David, I think to myself, first I'm, I'm pretty in, uh, captured by his devotion, by this devotion that David has. And it reminds me of those times in my life when I have felt like I could write a psalm like that. When I felt like I could write a psalm about God's care and his provision for me. But also as I hear it, there's this part of me that's maybe even a little discouraged. As I think how I want to live in that place all the time. (laughs) I want to be constantly feeling that. And sometimes I just don't. Sometimes even when I show up here on Sunday morning, (laughs) when I really want it, and I really want to feel like that with God. I'm saying this because sometimes worship, um, sometimes we don't necessarily feel it. But I'll be talking about it today, about ways that we can continue to worship God, even if it doesn't quite feel like worship for us. I'm talking about this because as we draw closer to Christ, we will desire Him more, and that's good. So sometimes this feeling we have when we come to church on Sunday and all the concerns of our week are overwhelming, things happening in our family, things happening at work, in our lives, with our health. But sometimes worship can be hard. You know, and I think about it, you know, most Sunday mornings we come in and we, we welcome each other and we dive right into singing, right into singing and worship and praising God. And sometimes we can have a hard time setting down or separating from the things that have been happening this week. That's why this morning we wanted to have the Word of God first to encourage us to do that, to think um, or at least to think about some new things, or, or to be reminded of things that we've always known about worship. Now, when I'm talking about worship this morning, I'm talking about worship in its broad sense. Not just worship that we have here, not just worship on Sunday morning, but worship in all of its ways. Just as Tracy was talking with the kids, worship that works out in our, word, in our wood shop, or worship that works out as we're knitting or crocheting, worship that works out as we serve other people, or as we sing while we do our work. Worship in all these different ways. But I do want to talk some about this, about heartfelt worship. Heartfelt worship can be elusive for us. Like it can feel like sometimes it's there, but so often it just like you can't quite grab a hold of it. We know what this is like when we go to churches and you walk into some churches and you just feel it. You feel it. People, there's you can sense God's spirit moving, people are excited, people are praising with their heart. We also know what it's like sometimes when you go to a church and it feels kind of cool when you walk in. You know, people are going through the motions. Um, they're standing when they're supposed to. They're saying what they're supposed to say. They're even singing the songs, but you can just tell their heart's not into it. You can feel it as a church. Well, the good thing is, like, when you go to these places where worship is great, where people are, the spirit is moving and people are into it, you can tell their heart, it's heartfelt worship. It's pretty amazing. And sometimes we want to try and capture that. We want to try and produce that each week. Sometimes you go to churches where it can feel a little bit produced. Almost like they're trying to conjure up this feeling of worship. 
You know, sometimes it's like an amazing worship band and dynamic speaker. And um, sometimes those things make me a little uneasy. You know, that almost like I'm sometimes trying to be manipulated, trying to be pushed <laughs> into worship, into a, feeling a way that maybe I don't at that moment. So I'm saying that it's, we don't want to ever conjure up worship. And we don't want to fake it either. That's just as destructive. But I do believe that there are things that we can do to put us in the right place, to at least make ourselves open and and available to what God is doing. I'm going to be talking about those this morning. The first thing that I wanted to mention is come seeking. Come seeking. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't think it's working, Rick. Okay. You know what? Let's just leave it as that. The thing is, we come seeking God. Come looking for Him. You see, the problem is so often that when we come seeking, we come seeking an experience. We come seeking an experience from God. We have these great experiences in the past of our, of our lives and... Yeah. Is it? I'll see if it's working now. We have these experiences in our life, these amazing moments when we feel on height with God. We feel, it feels amazing. And so sometimes we come back and we try to recapture that. We try to recapture that amazing feeling. It becomes about the experience. So I'm saying that we come seeking not just our own or ourselves, but we come seeking God. We come seeking Him. Think about this for a moment. What it means for us to seek God. See, we want a God who's going to woo us and whisk us away in in amazing music and an awesome sermon and amazing moments of prayer. And that's not bad to desire that. What's hard is when that becomes our expectation or that becomes our gauge for what's good worship and bad worship. See, the thing is, we come and we seek God and When we're seeking God, our experiences become less of the issue. I was thinking about this. Morley preached on heartfelt worship almost a year ago. And I remember him standing right here saying to us, worship, ultimately it's not about us. It's not about our favorite music. It's not about our favorite way of praying or our favorite thing that the pastor says, it's about God. And I remember sitting there thinking, absolutely, Morley, preach it. And then how much that has challenged me. You know, the pastor is supposed to have it all together. Times when I'll go home and I'll think, man, that worship really didn't do much for me today. Listen to those words. Worship, which is supposed to be on God, I come away thinking, didn't really do much for me. God, forgive me. Christ, forgive me. It's not about me. I mean, I believe that God works in our worship when we're praising him, his spirit moves, and it encourages us. I'm not saying that we're left out of it altogether. But I am saying when it becomes about us, things can go really wrong. So as I think about coming and seeking, come seeking God, I think of the words of Jeremiah. He says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. 
So as we move into worship this morning, I encourage us to come seeking. Seeking God. Mindful that it's not just about us. And so I think about this. This next step for us is, so we move up the stairs here. We come seeking, but also we humbly receive. That we receive God's grace. See, the thing is, we live in a time, well, I don't know if it's just our time, I think maybe it's just human nature, where we constantly try to minimize sin, our rejection of God, the times that we hurt each other, even the ways that we alienate ourselves. We try to minimize it. You know, as we talk about it, even, I mean, I can tell you even my own thoughts. You know, I think about, you know, I mean, I'm not so bad. Or as I talk with people, you know, things are okay. Like, I'm no, I'm, no, I'm no worse than the next person, or I'm just as good as my neighbor. And we try to minimize sin and brokenness. We try to minimize the fact that God is guiding us, trying to direct us on how to live, ways that is best for us and others. And yet we still refuse to. We reject it. We think, no, you know, God, I know you're God, but i kind of got my own way I want to do this. I've got my own plan that I'm going to work out here. Or I think about the times when we hurt each other as family in our church, as family in our homes, or as our neighbors. We do and we say things that hurt each other. In the ways that we even alienate ourselves from true life by doing this. <laughs> wonder what else is going to go wrong this morning. <laughs> Anybody else got a cell phone they want to set off? <laughs> Sorry. But as we're working through this, we have to realize how deeply rooted our sin is. How deeply rooted it is, our selfishness, our greed, our pride. Maybe we've got really good control over it. (laughs) Maybe most people don't even notice it, but we know it. The things that we wrestle with, anger, rage, resentment, bitterness, These things are deeply rooted in us. It's not who we are. It doesn't define us. But I think any of us would acknowledge that the more we realize about ourselves, the more we realize that those things are there. The reason why I'm talking about sin right now, that hard topic of the things that are broken in us, the things that we do to each other, is because until we realize until we realize how deep our sin goes, it's going to be hard for us to realize how amazing God's grace is. Let me say this another way. We will be grateful for God's redemption, for grace in our lives, only to the extent that we realize that we have been saved. So, if you think that you've been saved sort of from a pretty good life to a little bit better, your gratitude will be different than someone who realizes the depth of their sin, the depth of their brokenness, the brokenness of this world, and that God has come to make things right. You know, if you think, if we think, and I I need to include myself in this, if I start thinking that I've just been saved from, you know, being an okay guy to now I'm, you know, God's making me a better person, like, there's gratitude in that. But that's different than when I realize the depth of my brokenness, my own pride, my own selfishness, 
I hope you're seeing this connection here. And maybe it's challenging you some. I'm not trying to harp or make you feel bad. Trust me, I'm not. But I am trying to help us realize the depth of our sin because that's the only way we're going to realize how amazing God's grace is. There's a connection with grace. That's why we talk about being grateful. Gratitude, I think, is the foundation of worship. I remember talking with people all this week about my professor uh, in seminary. His name was Daryl Johnson, a faithful man. I remember him saying one time, he said, I can worship in any church. I can go to the highest of high churches and I can go to the lowest, most informal church and I can praise God because I'm grateful for what he's done. See, sometimes we start thinking, we get confused. We think of worship as what I prefer, the kind of music that I like, or worship is the kind of prayer that I want to hear prayed, or the kind of sermon that makes me you know, jump out of my seat and want to go and, and uh, be totally different. <laughs> Those things are all good. Nobody's jumping out of their seat yet, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but it's also more than that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are seasons in life when worship is dutiful, when we worship just trying to be faithful, here because we know we should, sometimes worshiping because we don't really feel it, but we know that God desires it, and so we want to be faithful. There's a place for that, and please don't hear me discourage that. Sometimes you're in a season in life where you're barely making it, and so you're here, not because you feel great and because you expect to feel great, but because you want to be faithful. I encourage you in that. But I do want to caution us in a different place, those of us who maybe we're here and we're kind of taking it for granted. See, that's the thing that happens with us as followers. And I don't know, maybe, there's, maybe, I'm, just, maybe I'm wrong in seeing this connection, but I see people who are coming to faith. Think about people you know who have become a Christian in your life. And there's like a time there where they are excited. They can't stop telling people about Jesus about faith in this new life that they've found. Think about some of your friends who have come to faith recently, how excited they are when they get to tell someone about Jesus. And then think about some of the Christians you know who have been Christians for a long time. It's common. It's not. I mean, there's some who continue this fire throughout their whole faith. But it's common, too, for people who have been Christian for a while, for that excitement to kind of erode after a while. The thing we have to be careful is that we don't take faith for granted. We don't take grace for granted. See, when we take grace for granted, everything starts to go wrong. We start to struggle with worship. And by that I mean like Sunday morning, gathering to, to praise God. When we start taking grace for granted, we start thinking, you know, I sure didn't like the songs we sang on Sunday. Or we start thinking, I sure didn't like what the pastor said. Or she didn't like the way we prayed or the way the chairs were organized or that nobody was wearing the right clothes. When we start taking grace for granted, I think we become more critical. See, I'm making this connection. When we start focusing on us, when we start focusing on you, when you start focusing on you, you lose sight of everything else. We lose perspective. When we, take, when we stop focusing worship on God and we focus on, on ourselves, everything gets really small. All we can see is you. 
what I want, what I think we should be doing. And I feel God challenging us in this. I'm thankful for what Morley preached on heartfelt worship because it's challenging me and it's shaping the way I think about worship. See, the thing is, when we focus on God, it brings things back into perspective. When worship is about God, it changes things. When we're grateful for what he's done and we grow in our love for him, we also grow in our love for each other. That we become more likely to say, you know, this may not be for me, this particular part of what we, or the way we do things. It's not really for me. I don't really like it. But I know that there are people, my brothers and sisters in this church, who love it. And so for them, I'm going to be okay with it. We begin to love others above ourselves when we are focused on God. But even more important than this, we just focus on God. We're praising Him for His sake, not just for what we get out of it. This morning, as we move into worship, I pray that you're challenged. I pray that you're challenged by this idea of heartfelt worship. That it begins by seeking, or by come and seek God. Seeking more than just our experience or what we prefer, but seeking God. But also that we realize, too, that as we come, we also humbly receive. That we realize the grace that God has given us. That we live as grateful people. Because when we live grateful, worship comes. It doesn't matter what the music is like. It doesn't matter the way they pray. It doesn't matter how the chairs are organized. We come and we praise God. I pray that as we move into worship this morning, that you'd be thinking of these things, thinking about gratitude. To help us with this sum, I've asked um, Tracy and, and um, Anne to come and to tell us some about things. They've been living through some things right now, and gratitude has been a part of their lives. So, Tracy, if you could start and talk just some about gratitude. Hello again. So, um, some of you know this about Jason and I. Most of you, by now, I hope, know that Jason and I are moving through the process of um, adopting a child. And when we started this process, I didn't have any idea what it was going to be like. I had no idea. But at the same time that we started moving through this process, God gave me a book to read. A lot of people in this church have read this book. Um, this is the devotional aspect of the book. It's, it's not the actual um, uh, book, but it's written by a Canadian author called Anne Voskamp. And the book is called 1,000 Gifts, where she challenges us basically to take the ugly, the four loads of laundry that I have yet to fold that are piled on my bed at 10 o'clock at night, um, the dishes that are stacked up, the boys that are fighting in, my, in, in their bedroom when they're supposed to be playing nicely, to take those ugly things and to see the grace in them and to give thanks. So before I sort of talk about how this relates directly to me, I'm just going to read a little bit um, from this for you. So she's talking about, um, about Jesus, and she says, The face of Jesus flashes. Jesus the God-man with his own termination date. Jesus, the God-man who came to save me from prisons of fear and guilt and depression and sadness with an expiration 
of less than 12 hours, what does Jesus count as all important? How does Jesus worship? It says in Luke 22, verse 19, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them. So she goes on to explain that in the original language, he gave thanks reads Eucharisteo. The root word of Eucharisteo is charis, meaning grace. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering these Greek words. I didn't consult the expert before I came up here. Um, Jesus took the bread and saw it as grace and gave thanks. He took the bread and knew it to be gift. Grace is a gift and gave thanks. And so so what do I do when I have four loads of laundry piled up on my bed at night? I mean, four loads of laundry? That's a ridiculous amount of clothes for anyone to have, let alone, you know, us who are so privileged. We are given so much. So rather than grumbling about having to fold four loads of laundry, I can give thanks, first of all, that I didn't have to hand wash them in a river and let them dry on a line somewhere. Hello? I didn't have to do that. I have clothes to wear because God cares for us enough to give us clothes to wear. Um, And it shows through that that I'm able to care for my family. Um, It's not just four loads of laundry to to fold and put away. It's me offering um, a gift to my family of care. So to find these ugly things and to give thanks for them. So to the bigger story now of what we're going through as a family, Um, we entered into this agreement uh, to adopt a child uh, with God as a leap of faith because it is out of our control in so many ways. And many of you have read my blog where I pour out my heart and say things that I probably wouldn't ever say face-to-face to to someone. Um, But... Here we are on this, this exciting adventure of trying to bring a new person into our family and there's paperwork to fill out and unknown timelines and money that we simply do not have. We, we don't. We cannot afford to adopt a child. That's all there is to it. And God said, trust me and I will provide for you. So we said, okay. And all of the while I'm learning to give thanks. While my boys are fighting in the bedroom, I'm learning to give thanks. I'm not good at it. Please hear me say that. It's not my first reaction to say, thank you, God. It often comes to me after the fact. But there have been so many times through this process. I'll give you one short little picture. I opened a shop on the Internet, an an Etsy store, many of you know that, where I'm selling the things that I create. And one time I sold something and I mailed it off to the girl And I was so sad because the price that she paid me plus the price she paid for shipping was less than the shipping cost that I had to pay. And I thought, oh, Lord, this is defeating the purpose. I'm supposed to be making money for the adoption, not giving it away to Canada Post of all things. So I go to the post office three times trying to whittle the cost of this price down without breaking the thing I'm trying to send away, which is probably what I really felt like doing, breaking this thing. And so I mailed it, and I said, you know what? So what? I hope she loves what she gets. And I made a commitment. to She paid me, and now I need to send this thing to her. And, oh, well, like I lost money. Okay, God. Thank you for, you know, just even letting me be in a country that has a postal system. I sat in the car and said that, trying to find the beauty 
in the ugly. That's what I was trying to do. And do you know what God did? When that girl received the package, she saw that the price of the postage was more than she had paid me, and she knew why I was doing this. And this is a, like a 19-year-old girl. And she emailed me, and she says, you know what, God gave me extra money, and he said, you need to do something with it. And I've been praying about what to do with it, and she said, I want to give it to you. I said, thank you, God, that I have a postal system of all things. I was trying to find something good to say thank you for. And he gave me a, a huge blessing. I worshipped him, and he turned it on its head and said, you were focused on me, and I'm going to give you a blessing. And that has happened time and time again. This week, um, Rick, do you want to put that picture up for me? Um, th this picture that Rick is going to put up is a painting a fundraising idea that that God really just gave me through this book that I was reading. And people buy a little square of a painting for $20. And some weeks, nobody donates, and that's totally fine. And some weeks, like this week, I filled in 71 squares. That's um, $1,500 about. God is doing the thing that he said he would do, and I am humbly receiving. As Jason, as Jason wrote um, through his sermon, we didn't talk, I didn't know, but he started with come seeking. We started in that place. God, do you want us to do this? God said yes. And I have learned a ton about receiving. Jason and I have never really had to receive before. We've always been able to give. And... Um, what receiving does in you is work absolute humility. It is humbling that I got to paint 71 squares this week because people care enough to help us bring our child home. Um, that is humility working in me because it's not easy to receive gifts from people all the time. And in return, he's teaching me to have a grateful heart through the, the beautiful um, and well-written words of this woman and, and the scriptures. He is teaching me what it means to be thankful. And I just want to stand before you, first of all, to say thank you to you because um, many of you are the reason why those squares have color. So thank you. But also to give God glory because he is who he says he is and he does the things that he says he does. And for that, we worship.